G'day everyone, welcome to another Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's biggest and best podcast, all things Newcastle United. Today we're going to talk about our big clash against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground this weekend. A nice 5.30pm kickoff there in the UK, unfortunately it's a stinky 4.30am kickoff for us here in Melbourne and Sydney, so that's going to be an absolute grim Sunday for me and you, Dimmy. Um, but today we're back, we've got a special guest finally. We've got our guests back with the uh, with the schedule, sort of getting back to one a week. We can organise this sort of stuff, which we love. So we've joined today by Jamie Martin. Uh, he's a Nottingham Forest fan. He works for the Nottingham Sport newspaper. And if you're unlucky enough to be in a hospital, you can hear him on the Nottingham Hospital radio as well, calling all the games. Jay, how you going, mate? I'm all good, thank you. I'm all good. Not too bad. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Another another beautiful day in the world's most livable city here, Dimmy. Absolutely, mate. It was an absolute you know, porker today. Sunny 24. Oh, I thought it was about 25. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe January 25. It's like six yeah. degrees here. Yeah. Six degrees of <laughs> <Yeah>. rain. <laughs> Awful. We are um, in the middle of summer. We, yeah, we are in the middle of summer. Yeah. So, so yeah, for those for those of you who don't follow Nottingham Forest, uh, Forest, Forest punch their ticket. Into the fifth round of the FA Cup last night, Jay, you had a bit of a late one because you got stuck with extra time and penalties against Bristol City. So how are you feeling this morning, mate? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my eyes are a little bit dry. I'm not going to lie, but it was just, <laughs> as I was saying to you in the pre-chat, the, the pre -chat, it was just like getting there, already a little bit tired from the day and like, just please don't go to penalties. Get the win or just get anything. Just get the win and then let me go home. Do you know what I mean? But no, extra time nothing penalties eventually <laughs> so yeah it was it was a fun one and i always enjoy penalties but forest haven't lost in a penalty shootout since the 90s so we've we've got a pretty good uh pretty good record so you'd be the opposite of everyone else i think everyone assumes their team's going to lose when it goes to penalties but you've you'd have some unnerving confidence that you're going to get through yeah i mean every every penalty shootout that i've been to we've we've won so the playoff uh semi-finals against sheffield united the uh the one against wolves last season so um, there's only three that I've really been to there that I can remember. So uh, well, it's a good record, though. Three <laughs> yeah. in a row, why not? Absolutely. So I guess before we before we get started, or I think it's good to start at the start. So tell us a bit about yourself and, and how you sort of fell into supporting Nottingham Forest. I, I support them because my dad supports them. And that's the way I think that uh, a lot of people um, get into football. Your dad or, or your mum supports a football team. Your dad brings you down to the games and then eventually you kind of just fall in love with it. And it took me a while. I didn't like football till I was seven. I was adamant. I said it was rubbish. Watching football with my dad on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon was rubbish. It's my least favourite thing in the world. I used to go home telling my mum I hate being at my dad's watching football. But then over time, it kind of grew on me a little bit. He took me to go and play football on Saturday and then he'd go and take me to a Forest match after. Uh, and eventually I started to enjoy it. So I used to leave it at half time because I hated football that much. And then eventually I got to the full 90 minutes and now it's my job. So it's, uh, yeah, things do change, but Forest is just the club I've loved. And when I started loving them, they weren't particularly easy to love. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, and they never will because it's Forest, but I just love it. I love everything about it. It's a special club on the, you know, on the banks of the Trent. It's just, yeah, there's nowhere like it. Yes. Awesome. So what are your, a couple of your favourite memories sort of over the time since you've been supporting that you can remember anyway? Um, I mean, I think like even before we got up to the Premier League, which is obviously the massive one, uh, and I don't think any Forest fan can deny that. For someone, I'm only 18, so what we've got to remember in the last 18 years is pretty 
limited. You know, that we've been a pretty, you know, um, poor performing club for the last 18 years or so until the last three years. Um, but, you know, beating Arsenal in the Cup maybe four or five years ago was really special because at that time, you know, you kind of uh, got a bit of belief and got excited for the season, um, you know, and then uh, games where you're looking to maybe get promotion, but you kind of miss out at the last minute were always heartbreaking. But it was the start of something slowly building up towards what we've got now in, in terms of going to the Premier League. So the big memory, of course, is Wembley getting to the Premier League, just the realisation that your team's back in the you know in the top division, uh, which I've never seen in my life. And, and I'm sure you guys will feel the same because obviously Newcastle were relegated not really that long ago and you guys got back to the top division. And, and what a great feeling that is. And for us, 23 years outside the Premier League or the top division, as it was called then, you know, is, um, yeah, it was a real special moment. So for me, Wembley, of course... The big, the big memory. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so I guess we'll get stuck into it. So we're 23 games in, into the season. How have you assessed Nottingham Forest season so far? It's been ups and downs, really. Uh, I think that we started off um, okay. You know, we got you know a couple of good wins. Uh, beating Chelsea um, was was a pretty good one, uh, to be honest. You know, away at Stamford Bridge, given the spending that they did in the summer, we all thought it was going to be a really tough game, and it was to an extent. But Forest beat them, and there was a good uh, element of belief there. Um, but after that, obviously, things for Steve Cooper didn't quite go um, as well as he wanted it to. You know, a couple of good results, but you know, it just wasn't enough to save him. You know, beating Aston Villa was a great one. Uh, but after that, just not good enough, really. And Nuno's come in, beat United, uh, beat Newcastle, uh, as I'm sure you guys are aware, uh, and Chris Wood. Um, yeah, I, I won't go any further with that anyway. But, what a freak. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> missing the next game. You'll be pleased <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so you can celebrate that. But uh, no, it's, yeah, it's been up and down. We've had a real, real lows when Steve Cooper left. It was a real sad time because he really kept the club together um, and, he, and he kept the magic of the club around. And I think that Nuno has definitely done that as well. He's, you know, and credit to him, it's it's tough when a fan base loves a manager so much and then a new guy comes in. Um, people still don't really want that new guy. And in, in a weird way, they kind of want the old guy back in Steve Cooper. But everyone's behind Nuno now, winning the cup, you know, and uh, kind of get rid of those worries of maybe exiting the cup. And then, you know, the two good wins that I mentioned previously, draw against Bournemouth. I'd say we're starting to get on the right track. There's still things we need to improve on, but overall it's been okay. Um, but I wouldn't say a major upgrade uh, on last season, to be honest with you. Yeah. So just on just on Steve Cooper, it's a really interesting point. And it's, I wouldn't say it's a touchy subject, but it's, it's a very, I guess it's a really big, not a big discussion point, but it's a really interesting discussion point. Like how much do you, sort of attach yourself to, like you said, a manager who's done so much and sort of connected everyone, the fans and the players and all that sort of stuff. But, like, did that sort of goodwill hamper them a little bit, I guess, because he sort of maybe stayed on for a few games longer than perhaps he should have because of that goodwill and, and things like that? Or do you think it kind of that it played it, played itself out and then whatever happened, happened? I mean, I'll always have the most respect for Steve Cooper. So, you know, uh, first of all, he gave me 
um, the opportunity to do what I do in in a in a way because there, there's so many things that would not have happened for me if Forrest didn't get to the Premier League. You know, so there's there's benefits from a personal perspective and a and a professional perspective where I say thank you to Steve Cooper um, for for that. You know, and the spotlight that it puts on uh, people that have been working hard in content creation for Forrest and there's people that have been working in it longer than me that are finally getting the recognition they deserve now Forrester in the Premier League so um, Steve Cooper can be thanked for that off the pitch really as a, a completely separate point but you know he changed the way the club uh, was you know a club that didn't have hope uh, a club that was you know constantly fearing relegation and you know just in a, a real state of disillusion for a lot of it and um, Steve Cooper came in you know cemented over the cracks a little bit and, uh, and brought in a bit of stability so you know for me it was really special that he that he was our manager and, and he did so much and again creating that stability giving us reasons to hope uh, I had the privilege of, of speaking to Steve Cooper before most games and he was just such a lovely wonderful person but more importantly you know because obviously there's so many great coaches out there but do you get to see the person side of them I don't really mm -hmm. know but Steve Cooper you did you always saw it even if you didn't speak to him in person through his press conferences he was a very um, easy person to get along with easy person to talk with and he, you know he knew his stuff and unfortunately it didn't work out in the end for Forrest and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there's some managers that can only take a club so far and there's no shame in it there's no shame in it you know and I think that it's like Gary O'Neill with Bournemouth I think for me keeping them out of the relegation area and that that's probably what he could do with that club not to say he won't go and do better with another because I think Steve Cooper will go to another club and take them further than what he took Forrest Crystal Palace maybe you know, so I just think he took us as far as he could. Yeah, I do think he had a couple of games too many, if I'm honest with you. And um, maybe I think fans and certainly I was blinded by sentiment a little bit. Um, but the owner gave him a lot of chances. The owner definitely held on uh, for a long time, in fairness to him, and, and gave him a lot of chances, maybe when he shouldn't have. Um, but Cooper's earned a lot of respect. He's earned the right to a bit mm. of sentimentality, to be honest. Um, but yeah, a couple of games too many, but no hard feelings, great manager. And there's some that still wanted to, to see him in the dugout now. Yeah. Dimmy, how would you look at this season from an outsider looking in? It's it's interesting because you, you look every, I seem to see every transfer window, they're signing about 10 to 12 players. <laughs> and I remember before last season, I'm going to keep mentioning it. I was at that first game last year when we played for it at St. James's. And I remember oh, just on. going, to, Can I yeah. Not just stop you. Just Jamie, just to keep you in the loop with everything that's happening. When Dimmy says he went to the the first game of last season, he was actually on his honeymoon in Greece, and oh, okay. and left his wife in Greece to go and attend the game, and then went back to her. No, in Greece. Serious? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So just to just so, to keep you in the just, loop, and yeah. any new subscribers or listeners as well, that, that's that's what's happened. To give you the sort of the, <laughs> the quick, yeah the, the quick uh, the background. So obviously we're in Greece for our honeymoon. And um, I, I left Greece. I suggested it to the, to the missus saying, look, I'm close to England. I'm about four hours away. It's game one of the season. I want to go. Didn't really ask. I sort of said, look, I'm going. I ended up getting tickets in the ballot, which was which was obviously lucky. And then I ended up getting a flight from Greece Friday night into Newcastle. Saw the game Saturday afternoon. Then flew back from London Sunday morning back to Greece. So I was really in England for... Little a little under forty eight hours, so she didn't miss that much, and I got to see the game, and we won two nil, and it was a a wonderful experience. But but yeah, that's and that's still happily honesty. married. I'm still happily married, which is yeah, yeah. somehow, <laughs> somehow, jeez, I don't know how you've been let away with that. Wow. Clearly, she knew what she was signing up for when she married yeah. me, and she knew what my uh, my um 
sort of nut job tendencies. But but yeah, so obviously, and, and remember that game, there was about 12 new players in the Forest squad and just going through the team, I'm thinking, how is this team going to be cohesive enough to to survive last year? They did. They did a great job to, to survive. And this season, it seems like you've signed players as well. And even in the recent transfer window, there's two or three new players coming through. So there's been a lot of transition, but I think Forest under under Nuno, they've changed the way they're playing a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but you, you look a little bit more dangerous for me and a bit more, you've got a bit more about you. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. It could be um, the players that just, Alanga seems to, against us, he was ripped us a new one and, and Gibbs White obviously can play as well. So there seems to be a bit more positivity on the ball and a bit more confidence with the way you're playing. Maybe it's the respect that Nuno has, maybe because he's been, doing it a bit longer than Cooper was in, in the Premier League. Maybe that played a part. But, yeah, I, I think I think Forest definitely have enough to stay up, especially with some of the teams in, in the league this year. It's just the awkward part of, and, and obviously Jay can elaborate, the awkward part of integrating so many new players so often, how how that's going to affect the, the chemistry of the team and, and, and how they're going to be used. Well, I mean, it must be said that Forrest came up with um, five or six lone players, you know, that were in the first team. So, you know, you you take those out of the equation, you lose half your team there straight yeah. away. Um, and then as well, the depth is from that team. I mean, Forrest were incredibly lucky in that playoff season to have had the, the little injury issues that they had. Because if they, they if they had serious injury problems, they wouldn't have gone up. The depth wasn't enough in, in that squad to have, to have uh, sustained uh, the momentum that they had. So they got very lucky, but I think they deserved a bit of luck after how the last few years have been, to be honest. But it was a team built on players that weren't ours um, and a team that didn't really have enough depth for the Premier League. And some people use the term that we went up a year too soon. I don't know about that. I'm always a firm believer in just go for it. Uh, and mm. Forrest did. So in the summer, they had to sign a lot of players. And, you know, they did go a little bit overboard with it, I'll be honest with you. And, you know, 30 signings or whatever, it's just an unprecedented amount of signings but you know when you look at the amount of outgoings that they had earlier in that season particularly in that depth area um the amount of signings maybe the tw the 20 or so signings as strange as it would be to say it's kind of warranted because you had to build a whole new first team you had to build a whole new bench and and credit really to Forrest because they spent an average of like three or four million pounds per player um you know and and a, yeah I can understand why from every outsider's perspective 30 signings you're absolutely mental but if you look at the deeper context of it, while, yeah, again, there was some bad recruitment during that time, there was also some good recruitment and necessary recruitment. This That team stayed up, by the way, and Forrest had to build a brand new team because that championship side that they had, they couldn't keep together. So, um, yeah, it, it, a lot of signings, but the necessary part of it is that Forrest, yeah, they built, they built a team um, from scratch because they couldn't do what they did in the championship with those players. Uh, and, and a lot of them as well didn't want to come back to Forest, or Forest didn't make an offer. You know, you likes of Jed Spence and uh, Philip Zinkenagel, for example. He he left after. Um, you know, so it is what it is, really. Um, but now is the time where Forest can have a clean sh uh, clean slate. I'd like to say that they've reset and they've got a brand new team that they can work on for a few years now. And uh, I don't think we'll see anything like that ever again, or at least I hope not. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did. Believe it or not, Demi, I did do a little bit of research this week knowing that Jamie was going to come on. So I wanted to try and make myself a little bit smarter than what I really am. So there's been over 40 players signed over the last three windows, which is, like you said, absolutely extraordinary for, for anyone to have to do that. And it's not 
I understand it wasn't a, it wasn't a case of a want; it was more of a need. Like we need to <laughs> sign these players to sort of get ourselves a squad, which kind of leads us to our next sort of talking point. I guess is is the FFP charges. It was a little over, I guess, three weeks ago that um, the news came out that that Forrest and Everton were both uh, found guilty, well, not found guilty, but were charged for breaching FFP um, laws or rules or, or whatever you want to call them. So. Um, from what I understand, a decision needs to be made by April the 12th. So we should get a bit of clarity before then. Um, then the club has seven days to to decide if they're going to appeal or not. But the appeal must be concluded by May the 23rd, which is unfortunately five days after the league actually finishes, which could be a complete a complete shit chuck at the end of the season. So um, we'll dive into that. How do you feel about that? Like, you're pretty well versed in in all things Nottingham Forest. Are, are they uh, no? Are they sort of sustainable charges, or, or do you think the club will kind of get it get the, get away out of it and, and won't sort of cop the points deduction whatever and copped earlier this season? I mean, they've hired the best lawyer for it, um, Nick yes. Marco. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marco. we know, love Nick, don't we? Do we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know you guys love Nick because he's the one that he's the one that got your ownership. Uh, yeah, yes, through, he did. So. Um, so Nick, Nick, Nick knows his stuff. Um, he's a great sports lawyer. Worked with one of our fullbacks, Harry Toffolo, during his betting scandal, um, which allowed him to have a suspended sentence and continue to play. Um, so you know, look, Nick DeMarco is a fantastic sports lawyer. The club have trust in him. The club believe that they have um, a good argument, and uh, their argument is this: well, from what I can tell, that. Uh, they tried to sell Brennan Johnson for more money in order to become a more profitable and sustainable business. Yeah. Um, so they knocked back like is... a £35 million pound bid, didn't they, earlier on mm. and then ended up selling it for 50 to Tottenham. Is that right? Yeah. So you've got a, a 10 £15 million pound extra um, uh, yeah. sum on top of that, which is which is massive. And, and I see the two sides where people go, yeah, but you should have just sold for £35 million because, you know, that that's the rules and you've got to stick within that. And, and in that case, I go, fair enough. But the other side of it, you go, so how come it is the smaller teams that are forced to do that? Why don't the bigger teams have to go and, well, you now have to sell this player because you have to satisfy this in June. They don't have to do that because their revenue streams are significantly bigger. So they're looking at changing the rules in the summer. So what Forrest and Everton are being charged for probably won't be the case for other teams next season. That's ridiculous. For me, yeah. ridiculous. And I get that rules are rules. And, and honestly, if Forrester breached them, you've got to punish them. And I'm not against that. It's That's the rules. And I subscribe to um, the rules of the game. Because if it, if another team did it and it impacted Forrest negatively, I'd want them to have some sort of punishment. So it's only fair. Um, but at the same time, are we encouraging teams to be profitable and sustainable? Um, I'm not too sure. Because the Forrest told the Premier League, that whole time that that Brennan Johnson is is the guy that we're going to sell that is worth a lot of money Tottenham are probably going to come in with a bid worth you know 10 10 million pound more Premier League knew about it Forrest sold him later and now they're trying to backdate it whether they can backdate it or not to June books for the uh, the previous FFP period I don't know I really hope they can and I really hope that they can argue the case and uh, you know we get let off with it but do I see it I'm really not sure and at the end of the day why it happens in April or May, as you say, five days after the season's mm. ended, I just think it's crazy. It's bonkers. Yes. Um, it's it's genuinely bonkers, and it's just it's going to change the way that the Premier League is is played in future seasons. Uh, you can already tell because this January window has been the most boring 
rubbish yeah. window ever. You guys know yeah. that. There's some signings yeah. that I really wanted to see you guys make because your you know depth problems are really concerning, um, and your injury issues are, are extensive. So um, there's a lot of scrutiny around, and and you know if if there's anything to learn by this, and if Forest are charged, I still do want to see change, and uh, and see the bigger clubs have a have more restriction because, as you say, you know. Even you guys, you know, even with your Champions League journey and that you've been on, you know, you you will probably be having to sell players very soon, you know, to fund yeah, no, no. transfer windows. We, which we is definitely, crazy. we definitely have to, and that's exactly the reason why that nothing really happened for us in January because we're at we're at the point where we kind of need to sell to buy and and just reversing a bit on what you said, the whole ecosystem is. The, the mid to lower clubs have a really valuable asset and in order for them to try and compete in the league, they have to sell that asset to one of the big six clubs because they've got the money to, to buy that asset. When you when you think of, say, like a Jack Grealish or even like a Richarlison at Tottenham and um, who else do we, Oh, Declan Rice. Like th these teams have to sell their best player in order to try and compete. Like it makes no sense at all like absolutely no sense and it, it seems like it's just a a vehicle to maintain sort of the status quo amongst the top six clubs it's really it's really really hard for any team sort of outside that area to break into it and then factor the new uh fair market sponsorship value rules that they've conveniently brought in for this season as well which sort of handcuffs your ability to bring in revenue so you can try and buy more players, it, it seems like a really close shop. And for everyone outside the big six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd just say, are you encouraging clubs to be profitable and sustainable or are you encouraging smaller clubs not to spend as much, have a weaker competitive advantage and to yeah. stop clubs doing similar to what Newcastle did, stop clubs like Aston Villa doing what they did? You know, keep that top six um, uh, it, as, it, as it should be, according to them. And, you know, look, the, the CEO of the Premier League calling Forest and Everton small clubs, for hmm. me, says enough about the yeah. respect towards clubs in this league. You know, and, and, yeah. I, and I look, I'm I'm all about if someone makes a slip of uh, a slip of the tongue and they say something they don't mean, I understand it. But it's very convenient that you use the term small clubs when talking about Forest and Everton. And rightfully so, we're outraged by it. And I, I do think it should be um, looked at when defending our case, because if that is the respect that top level officials have for clubs in this division then there's there's big concern over who's running it uh, and for me you know I'm not just angry at FFP because Forrest have been dropped in it I'm angry overall and have been before because at the end of the day it's it's weakening the the wrong teams and it's strengthening yeah. the wrong teams you know yeah. so th it's a concern it's got to be looked at but at the end of the day cards you've been dealt play them get on with it just got to pick up points yeah, that's it. And that's, like I said, Timmy, we've had our own, I wouldn't say there've been problems, have they? But we've had our own sort of hurdles placed in front of us so we can't sort of be as, as good as we want to be and be the best club we can be. Yeah, well, the thing that I don't understand with our situation is we had we had an owner who owned Sports Direct. I'm not even going to say his name, but he owned Sports Direct. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't plough a cent for that sponsorship into the club for a good 15 years. So what's the difference about them saying fair market value? We didn't get a fair market value with Sports Direct all over our stadium and all over our 
our um, yeah. club shops and everywhere. We didn't get any money mm. out of that. Zero, zero dollars for 15 years or whatever he had, whatever he ownership that bloke had. So, I mean, yeah, Jamie, Jamie's right. It's, it's ridiculous that they're targeting it. They sort of want to say, look, we're, we're happy for, for you guys to, to spend some money here and there. But as soon as you get a player that's any good or you've spent a little bit too much money, you've got to get rid of that player. And then you cannot spend for however many years because the top six clubs are so precious about their status in the Premier League. And you saw it with the Super League talk when, when a lot of them wanted to join the Super League and sort of get away from the Premier League as well. So they've got their own sort of tickets on themselves from that perspective. And I mean, with the, with the money that we have, I'm, I know Forrest don't have the money that, that we do, but with the money that we've got coming from, from PIF, it, for our owners to, to see to see that we can't even that they've got billions billions of dollars and they're sitting there saying we can't even use our money what 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 kind of yeah. what kind of investment or business is this we we've got all this money sitting there but we can't use it because of these antiquated rules that haven't been updated with any sort of um, consistency in the last ten to twelve years and and conveniently clubs like Everton and Forest are being targeted but Manchester they're trying to compete. There. Yeah, but Manchester City, Manchester City are sitting there with over 100 charges, but because they've confused the shit out of the Premier League with all these charges, they've just bamboozled them and sort of dragging them out. And I've, I've got no doubt that Manchester City will somehow get off or get with a slap on the wrist and won't cop any sort of points penalty or uh, trophy penalty or anything like that, and, and they'll just ride off into the wind because of because of who they are. So it's a shit show, like like Jay said, and, and, and hopefully... It get the rules get changed and resolved, and they're, they're not being targeted against these these clubs just trying to compete and just trying to make their way up the Premier League, which is every every team's right. I mean, if, if the if the Premier League don't want teams to compete, you might as well just close up shop, take the six teams out of the Premier League. They can go start their own Super League and let everyone else in England compete against themselves, and, and let's see who the best team is. Because at the moment, it seems like there's one league for the six and then one league for everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So I don't want to get too – we could talk about this for hours and hours, I'm sure. But um, I, I was going to say, unfortunately, maybe for us, unfortunately, we've got a game this weekend that we sort of need to talk about as well. So, uh, Jay, I'll bring your I'll bring your lineup up, mate, with uh, what you've sent through to us. So yes. having, having seen the game this morning with uh, Origi back from injury as well, would, would, would he be the one you'd probably start up front, do you think? Nah, nah. I, th I think no. that the, the only change I'd, I'd make to this team that's in front of me, um, if I, I'd probably make two changes. To be fair to you, I think I'd, that was my cup team. So I, I, yeah, this is the the team I'd like to see against Newcastle instead of Lacadimos. Uh, I'd have the new goalkeeper, Matt's uh, Matt Sals, who you guys will know. Um, yeah, I was gonna time. I was gonna bring him up and seeing if he was uh, if he was ready to play this weekend. So he he'll be ready to play. He couldn't play in the Bristol City tie. Um, Koyate comes out in the midfield for me because I, I I just think he's he's too he's too big you know he's just too big and he, he's not really fast <laughs> enough and we need a, a player that's really fast on the ball so um, I think for me I'm going to put in uh, I'm going to put Dominguez in there I'm going to take Danilo out as well and put Ryan Yates in um, Tavares I think I'll give him another chance at left back he did okay last night um, and I'd maybe. Yeah, I think I'd keep the team like that other than that. So, Kuyate, Danilo and uh, Vlakadimos coming out and uh, Sels 
Dominguez and Yates going in. I just I don't think I really need too many more changes. But obviously it's fitness depending. You know, a lot of these guys have just come back. Gibbs White's just come back. Ilanga's just come back. A one year, so you've got to take it easy, really. So what what was the what was the lineup last night? Was it was it a pretty strong lineup against Bristol in the FA Cup? Yeah, so they had um, Montiel as your right wing back, Omobamideli, uh, Nir Katia and Felipe as your defenders and Harry Toffolo on the left, Koyate and Danilo as your midfield, uh, Gibbs White, Ilanga and, and Origi as your as your kind of front three guys. So yeah. um, it was all right. It was a little bit different. I think with the back five, um, the wing backs kind of allowed for a, a bit more of a um, uh, more attacking option. But whether Forest really used them as well as they could have, I'm not too sure. I think that they were they a bit wasteful at times with the passing. But again, that changing midfielders that I mentioned, I think, would make a massive difference. So um, that's that's why I changed those personnel. Yeah, right. So um, we've travelled to the city ground eleven times during the Premier League oh. era. We've won three, lost five, drawn three. Dimi, our last couple of trips have been memorable, but for a lot of the wrong reasons, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, last year's was obviously a, a great one for us with that last-minute penalty, but there was that controversial disallowed goal where we thought Anderson Anderson robbed, his his, robbed, robbed, robbed of his moment of his first Premier League goal, and he still hasn't got his first Premier League goal. He's injured now. So Bastards. that was that was unfortunate. But, yeah, it was the uh, the ice-core big dog, Isaac, scored the, scored the double. But, unfortunately yeah. for us, I don't think he's going to be there this weekend. No. Nah. Uh, it is it is a tough ground to go. I, I remember a game we played against them in the championship where I think the Henry Lanesbury, the Henry Lanesbury special. Yes. That's the one. We got two <laughs> red cards. Oh, I hate that bloke. I'll never, I'll never like. <laughs> we got two red cards in the first half. I think Darlow saved two. Darlow saved both penalties. Half. I think too. Yeah. yeah. We still. I think we went up one nil up in the end, and but then lost two one from memory or something like that. So there, yeah. there, there's been some some tough games there, but. But look, I mean, we only played them a few weeks ago and they, I mean, to be fair, probably should have won five or six at our round. We, we got completely destroyed, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're rubbish, but yeah, at, at least Big Chris Wood's not there and, and, and that should be prime. prime yeah, so, on, on, yeah. The, on the break. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's got a hamstring injury. He's out for, could be up to six weeks, Jay, which is going to be a massive blow for you guys looking at, I guess, your fixtures coming up. You've got us and then... Uh, You've got West Ham at home, Villa away, Liverpool at home, and Brighton away. So it's it's a tough set of five sort of coming up and without without kind of your main talisman who's been really well. Like when he's been fit this year, he's actually played really well. So he's a massive loss for you guys. You know, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think look, Chris Wood is someone that shocked us, and I think he shocked you guys as well. Not just in <laughs> yeah. terms of yeah, not just in terms of that game, but like overall, you know, because when you sold him, you thought, look at us, we're selling this guy to Forest for a, yeah, you know, it's yeah, complete yeah. dud. But you know, he's, he's, got, what the hell? He's, he's got eight goals this season, you know. So yeah. um, I can't complain. You know, I think we paid fifteen million for him. Okay, I don't think it was a good deal. Still. Um, but at the same time, you're paying £15 million for a striker that's going to get you 10 goals in a season. I mean, there's there's clubs that are paying £50 million, £60 million for players, you know, like Richarlison that only get you 10 goals a season, if that, you know, at times, even though he's doing better now. But right. um, but look, you know, I think I, I think that, you know, Chris Wood's a good player. You've got Tyro one year back and Tyro is really important. You know, five goals, six goals this season. Uh, he's been injured for most of it. He's a really, really good striker when he's on form. He's looked a little bit off it. 
uh, in the last game against Bristol last night. Um, but when he gets back up to speed, I think it'll be dangerous. He's got an opportunity to do it against Newcastle. And the thing is about Newcastle, with all due respect, you don't know what Newcastle you're going to get recently. Because you look at Aston Villa, they were stunned by Newcastle. I was in Newcastle watching that game, actually. And, um, you know, Aston Villa just were, were battered by them. Uh, and although Aston Villa slowly came back into the game, Newcastle kept the win. But, you know, against Luton, you know, started OK, switched off a little bit, you know, and I thought you're going to get battered here and you, and you came back. So I, I like the persistence. I like the teamwork in the Newcastle squad and I like the the mentality given the amount of injuries. But at the same time, um, some of them look fatigued uh, and some of them look really, really tired. You know, Trippier's kind of just coming back, but he looked knackered recently. Um, mm. So, you know, I'm kind of hoping that Forrest catch you out in, in, and, and hope that maybe you are still a bit tired. Um, from that Luton game but you never know we've had a midweek game as well to think about so um, we're going to have some tired legs but look it's going to be a good matchup I think I, I think it might be a draw uh, if I'm being honest with you um, but again it depends because both teams are like that you don't know what team you're going to get with both sides mm. so um, yeah. it's it's a hard one to predict for me all right Demi I'll bring up uh, I'll bring up your your team for us mate so you've got Wilson up top obviously the Injury to Anthony Gordon's still a little bit unknown. We'll probably find out more uh, Friday or tomorrow for the, the yeah. press conference, Eddie's press conference. Craig, uh, Craig Hope said it's not serious, so that could mean anything from amputation to, <laughs> to like <laughs> a life-threatening a life injury. So um, we don't know what, what that means. So it's going to be a big ask, I think, for Wilson to, to come in after sort of – 45 minutes and, and get through a 90. You've got Harvey Barnes yeah. starting as well. Uh, the biggest one for me, though, mate, is Dan Byrne at left back. There's, mm. I'm not sure you probably haven't sort of covered it off much, Jay, but after the Luton game last week, Dan Byrne was – he may as well have been the second shooter on the grassy knoll, some of the stickies cops <laughs> this weekend. So uh, Livermento seems to be the, be the one. So, Dimmy, are you going to stick fat with Dan or are you going to – well, sort of bring Livermento in. It's not that I'm going to stick fat. I, I think Eddie will stick fat with them. But yeah. He he doesn't like changing a lineup, Eddie, at the best of times, and especially the the senior core players who he's trusted and did a great have done a great job for him in the last couple of seasons. He doesn't willy nilly just make changes. I mean, we all saw what happened against Luton Town. Dan, Dan Byrne was completely pantsed. It wasn't obviously just his fault. He didn't get any support from from the midfield on that side. It wasn't obviously just him, but he, he was destroyed. And the thing that worries me with this game, it, it may be a bit different because Forrest is going to be at home, but on on the break at St. James's Park, Alanga was absolutely destroying Dan Byrne last game as well. And we we really found it difficult to contain Forrest on the counter-attack. And it might be a bit different because Forrest may have more of the ball and we may reverse roles and, and play on the counter-attack ourselves. But I, 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 I would lean towards... If it was me picking the team, picking Tino because of his pace against against the Langer and and Forrest's front line, but I've just got a feeling that Eddie's going to say, "Look, Burns done a great job for me. He's played on quick wingers before and done a decent job. He's played against Saka a couple of times and done a really good job. So I think Eddie will stick with him, which may or may not be the right move. We'll see after the game on on, on Saturday night. But yeah, I, I think that it could be a a make or break move if Burn gets destroyed again and Alanga yeah. yeah. does another great has another great performance. Eddie might have some 
serious serious talk with Dan Burnley. He might have to rip the band-aid off and, and get him out of the starting eleven, but hopefully it doesn't go that way and we can sort of give Burn a bit more support on that on that left hand side. Yeah. I also think probably Murphy will probably start. I think Barnes's little cameos. Yeah. Will probably be for the next few weeks at least until he gets his legs under him and everything like that. So I think Murphy will probably get the uh yep. get the start there. So yeah, having said all that, we've given or you've given your sort of uh prediction, Joe. Before before I get to yours, Timmy, I guess probably the most important question probably for a Nottingham Forest fan is do you think they'll stay up this year or not? Regardless forget about the the charges and the potential points deductions and everything like that. Assume assume that everything's going to be not guilty and you guys will be fine. Do you think you've got enough to, to stay in the league? Yeah, yeah, I back our team every time. Um, you know, I'm not someone that is uh, just a complete pessimist, and you know, I, I look, I, I will back Forest to the hill, um, even if we get the deduction. You know, that's just what a, a proper fan thinks. You know, and uh, I think we've got the quality to stay up. I think we've got the coach to to stay up. You know, he's got no relegations on his resume, so you know, touch wood, he kind of keeps it um, that way. Um, but yeah, I think we'll stay up. Why not? Got quality, so yeah. Jimmy, do you think they'll? I, I think the, like that, uh... Yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. There's, there's, there's a couple of really poor teams I think in the league, and pending like a twenty point point seduction, uh, which I don't think will come. I think <laughs> they'll have enough. I think they'll have enough points to even if they copped a, a five point ban or a six point ban, they'll have enough points in the bank that they'll still survive. And and I think they probably deserve to survive. Everyone wants to see the the old traditional clubs in in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest is one of those, and I think most neutral supporters would much much rather see Nottingham Forest in the league than potentially one of the yo-yo sure. clubs who, who just go up and down every every second season. Yeah, but I know, like I said earlier, we're we're twenty three games in, so there's still a lot of a lot of games to go. But it's shaping up as a really sort of interesting relegation battle. Normally, kind of the start of February, you got maybe two two teams look almost certain, and then you might have it two or three others that are kind of fighting or to not be that last team down. But you can probably go as high as Crystal Palace. He's throwing mm-hmm. Brentford, Forrest is in there, Luton, Everton and Burnley. Like they're all sort of within five points of each other. Like it's going to it's gonna come down. I think Sheffield United are, are gone already. So it's going to be a really sort of interesting, not for, for us, but not not for, for yeah, the teams here. <laughs> <laughs> interested as an onlooker to see which which way the cards fall and I, I hope I really really hope that these points deductions that Everton have already copped and potentially could cop again and, and if you guys cop one I hope that's not the determining yeah. factor in, in relegating teams because I think like you said earlier Jay if they're going to change the laws next year it, it seems really unfair to, to relegate teams based on that reason now if if there was no teams in this situation with the FFP and stuff like that, changing the rules is, is fine. Like, it doesn't really directly influence any outcomes and stuff like that. But to do it when teams might be a victim of it potentially three weeks, two weeks earlier seems seems really wrong and unfair. Yeah. I, I just I despise the idea of it, to be honest. But, again, it's cards we've been dealt, so... You know, let's play it. But for now, we've just got to focus on picking up points and putting ourselves in a position where we can say, hey, look, you take six points off us and we should be okay. You know, so that's yeah. all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. So 
Demi, get your prediction, mate. So it's it's a tough one because we at the start of the season or for most of the first half of the year we couldn't perform away from home. We couldn't get a, a win, and all of a sudden we've won three games in a row away from home. Two of them yeah. in the cup, <laughs> and we, now we can't get a result at home. And our home yeah. form was was impenetrable. But I, I think it's probably going to be a draw. I, I I don't. I mean, we haven't been in, in great form. Obviously, the Villa game was fantastic, and and the cup results, but I just don't have the confidence at the moment that we we can put 90 minutes together again on the road. I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong, but for me, it's got the, the hallmarks this game of a probably a one-all draw. Hopefully, we're not blowing a goal in the last five minutes. That'll feel like a loss, but I mean, a point, a point away from home, generally speaking, is not the end of the world. It's just what happened to us last week by dropping, well, on paper, dropping two points against Luton is obviously putting more pressure for us on this game to to get the win. We had that after that big Villa win, we had Luton Town, Forest and Bournemouth three games in a row. And as a Newcastle fan, you're thinking we can probably get at least seven, probably nine points from those games. So it puts a lot of pressure on, on this one to to sort of make up for the Luton draw. So hopefully I'm wrong, but yeah, I, I probably see a, a draw, a, a one-all draw. Yeah. I think it's going to be a Desmond. I think our defending has been shambolic. This season, and we've, we've already conceded more goals than we conceded the whole of last year. So it's definitely an issue for us. So I'm going at Desmond 2-2. I think we've got the players who can score, but I also think we've got the players who can concede well, as well. Yeah, the, way, <laughs> the way we defended against Forrest a couple of weeks ago, I mean, Forrest should have scored yeah. probably six. There was a couple I think Alanga didn't square to Chris Wood at times where he was wide open. Yeah. They... On the counter-attack, it was, it was pitiful. And even last week against Luton, Luton scored four and probably had two or three other counter-attacks that they could have punished us on. I mean, and we could have, could have ended up scoring, copying six goals at home to Luton Town. That would have been a borderline of disgrace. But not not to harp on, on that game, it's it's definitely going to be an open game, I think. I don't think it's going to be a nil-all-ball game. Both teams probably can, can feel confident that they're going to score goals. But again, probably an elite goals as well. So... A draw looks like, yeah, the, the most likely result here. Yeah, perfect. All right. Score draw for those. Gamble responsibly, as always. The more you the more you bet, the more you get. So you can do what you like with that. Jamie, uh, thank you very much for jumping on with us tonight, mate. Really, really appreciate your time after a, a long but successful night last night. Um, for everyone as well, you can catch him on his socials. I'm Jamie Martin on X, Twitter, whatever you whatever you want to call it as well. And, um, good luck for the rest of the season as well for Nottingham Forest. Like I said earlier, I hope I hope you guys can kind of get through this little shitty spell you're in at the moment. Not so much on the field, more off the field stuff, and and everything's good. And and you guys are still in the Premier League next year, mate. No, I appreciate the invite and thank you guys. Good luck with your season. Uh, I'll definitely be in Newcastle at some point before the end of the season, so I'm sure I'll be able to watch a game. But um, good luck, and uh, yeah, may the best team win. Yes. <laughs> Which is going to be a draw, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. It's yeah. too all, isn't it? There you go. Awesome. Dimmy, thank you very much, mate. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, mate.